Well, hey, good morning. It's, uh, it's nice to be back up here so soon. You guys don't usually let me talk this much, so thank you. I must have done something right the last time, or you guys thought I needed a do-over. I don't know which it is, but either way, I'm glad to be here. That's so anyways, last, uh, last time I spoke, I talked to you about the parable of the Good Samaritan. I tried to show you how important the context is when we try to understand what Jesus and the biblical authors are trying to tell us. And I, I had us ask some important questions like, what is the context? And why is this story here? And man, what would I have learned if I was there? And, and finally, what is Jesus and those biblical authors trying to teach us? And I think last week, Evan did a great job, in so many words or less, walking us through those same questions with the parable of Lazarus and the rich man. And in that process, he showed us that the question that parable was asking us about was about our demeanor towards God and others, but also our, our heart's demeanor towards God and our possessions and our money. And so the parable of Lazarus and the rich man is a parable that at base asks the question, which of those two men are you? And and so Evan ended his sermon last week telling you to take inventory of your life to discover the answer. And so this morning we're going to look at Luke chapter 19 verses 1 through 10 and in many ways we're going to ask a lot of the same questions. We're going to look at the context, we're going to evaluate the characters and hopefully we'll each ask ourselves, man, who am I in this story? What do we have in common? How do we differ? And what am I supposed to take away from all of that? So this morning, as we read and study together, I want you to ask some hard questions and be honest in your evaluation and hopefully walk away with a really clear answer to what you truly value in reality and practicality in such a way that you'll be able to decide if that answer satisfies you or not. And so with that, I want to jump back into our text beginning in verse 19. I think it's important to read again. It says, he, Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich, and he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not, because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He's gone to be a guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. So this is our story. Short man, works for the government, wants to see Jesus, but can't see over the crowd, so he climbs a tree. Jesus sees him, invites him to the guy's house. Zacchaeus, overjoyed, is very generous, and Jesus says he's saved, and this is the story. Uh, it's even a song that a lot of us grew up hearing. Zacchaeus was a... And a wee little man would see. And he climbed a sycamore tree. For the Lord he wanted to see, and when the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree and said, Zacchaeus, come down, for I'm going to your house today. And Zacchaeus was a wee little man, but a happy man was he, for he had seen the Lord that day. Right? So that's, that's the song. That's the story. And obviously the takeaway is climb trees, be generous, Jesus will see you and save you. Bam. Sermon over. <laughs> you know, I think for 
for some of us, that is the story. Or at least that's what it's been. But I think if we stop and if we step away from that children's song, is that really what Jesus wants us to take away? Somehow, I don't think it is. But to find the true purpose of the story, I think Luke wants us to see another story first. And it comes virtually right before this one. It's about another rich man who comes to see Jesus. And it's found in Luke chapter 18, verses 18 through 23. Check it out. It says, and a ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Familiar question. And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. Jesus responds to the question and gives the same answer that lawyer did in Luke chapter 10. He says, fulfill the law to perfection and you'll inherit eternal life. And the rich young ruler, he said, all these I've kept from my youth. Okay. When Jesus heard this, um, I think it's important here in Mark's gospel, it says says that Jesus looked at him, loved him, and then said, one thing you still lack. So sell all that you have and distribute to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. But when he heard these things, he became very sad for he was extremely rich. And then this rich young man with his head down just walks away. It is. Now here's why I think you can't read the story of Zacchaeus without the story that comes before. Because I think both stories are actually part of a greater whole. I think we're supposed to see one man and then compare him to the other. I think the context that we're supposed to read the story in is that. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. See, in Luke chapter 18, we have this wealthy, prominent, religious man. He has everything going for him. From the outside, it looks like he's on the right path. He's young and he's already wealthy. We don't know exactly what kind of ruler he is in this passage, but that Greek word is often for some kind of um, official, and based on what we do know, he's Um, some kind of Jewish leader, so he probably works in a synagogue. It's really likely that he's one of the Sanhedrin. For today, it's not important what that is, but what is important, that he's well-respected despite his age, and he has more money than he knows what to do with. This guy is successful, and he's done uh, done a lot of right things in his life to get him to where he is already. And not only that, but he's a really good guy. Like, not only does he know the law, but he follows it really well. Like, according to him, since his youth, he's never disrespected his parents. He's a faithful husband, and he's an honest man who doesn't steal or lie. He's the kind of guy that a lot of churches see and think, man, I bet he'd be a great elder candidate. And this is the man in chapter 18. So keep him in in mind as we shift to Luke chapter 19, where there's this other guy, Zacchaeus, also rich, also Jewish, very different. He's not so respected. He's not someone we'd look up to. In fact, you look down on him because he's short, but also because he's kind of a scumbag. Like, not your top choice for church leaders. In fact, you probably wouldn't let him in the door. Kyle, that sounds harsh, but let me explain. 
So first, our story, it takes place in the city of Jericho, and here's what you need to know about Jericho. If you live there, you're either wealthy, like the 1%, or you serve them. It it was so nice that uh, Herod the Great built his winter palace there. Um, The the Bible describes it as the city of palm trees. It's an oasis city. It smells amazing because of the balsam trees that are planted there, and it was known for It was a trading hub in the area, it was posh. And Zacchaeus lives here. And here's how he can afford it. He made his fortunes exploiting people. Worse, he exploited his own people. Zacchaeus was a trader, he was a tax collector, and this is what that meant in his day. So so the areas under Roman occupation His people were not free, but under Roman rule, and Rome demanded taxes from those they subjugated. And those taxes paid for the Roman government and the Roman military to continue to occupy the area. So in in other words, it was Zacchaeus' job to take money from his brothers and sisters and give it to Rome so that they could continue to pay their soldiers and build their weapons to use to continue to subjugate Zacchaeus' people. Now, not only was he a tax collector, but he was in charge of all the local tax collectors. So now that means he managed all the tax collectors. So as they robbed their people, he would make a portion on top of whatever he took himself. And what makes this process that much more disgusting is that these tax collectors were known for taking more than Rome demanded and keeping it for themselves. So the natural and correct assumption from everything we know about Zacchaeus' profession is that this is how he made his wealth, and this is the kind of man he was. So again, here's our two characters, similar yet drastically different. A wealthy leader you met at church, and a traitor thief who thrives on exploitation. Out of these two people, which would you like to be when you grow up? But again, these are our two men placed in close proximity in Luke's gospel, similar yet different, and both are interested in meeting Jesus. And Zacchaeus' story in Luke chapter 19, we don't entirely know why he's so interested in meeting Jesus at first, but we do know he's determined to even get a glimpse. And we know this because when he sees the crowd that prevents him from doing so, he's willing to climb a tree. This wealthy, grown man, hated by all the people around him, is willing to make a spectacle of himself by climbing a tree in front of a crowd. So adults in the room, what would be of such interest to you that you would climb a tree to see it? And what would convince you to do that in front of your peers or your boss or whoever's opinion you care about? Because I think, even back then, certainly now, this is odd behavior. And if there's an adult in the room who still climbs trees, I'm sorry if my assumption that this is odd offends you. Please talk to me after. I'd love to hear about your hobby. But this is Zacchaeus, a grown man climbing a tree. And his drive and the obstacles he's willing to overcome are very different than the young ruler who just walks up to Jesus. See, he makes it through the crowd. The crowd moves so that he can get to Jesus. The crowd in both stories sees these men very differently. But how does Jesus see them? When the young ruler gets to Jesus, he asks them, how do I inherit eternal life? And I think he probably expects Jesus to tell him that he's already in. I follow all the rules. I'm a good person. 
I'm no tax collector, I'm a religious leader. But Jesus sees him and his heart breaks and he loves him and he tells him he only lacks one thing. And here's the introduction to a question I want us to wrestle with today. It's a really important question. What was that one thing? If you were the successful, church-going, good person that came to Jesus, if you stood before Jesus today and he told you you only lacked one thing, one thing was keeping you away from God, what would it be? Jesus told this man that he only lacked one thing, what was it? This, this morning, I'll tell you what I think it is, but we're gonna get to that later, and if you think you already know the answer, no spoilers. So the rich young ruler comes to Jesus with expectation of what he must do. Zacchaeus, on the other hand, just wants to get a glimpse and see who this guy is. And he doesn't approach Jesus, instead Jesus sees him And Jesus doesn't tell him what he lacks. Instead, Jesus sees this man who's not respected by the crowd, um, and he doesn't hate him or send him away. Jesus instead calls him by name and invites him to draw closer. And in fact, he says that that's where he's going to stay, that he's here, he's walking up. He's introducing himself to Zacchaeus because he wants to stay with him. And how crazy is that? And it was crazy, and the crowd knows it. They grumble. They can't believe that just a bit ago, Jesus meets this great guy, but he sends him away disheartened. But today, he meets this human piece of garbage. Their word's not mine. And Jesus just can't get enough of him. Like, he doesn't just want to sit and talk for a minute. He's coming over for dinner, and he's staying the night, and this feels backwards. Why? Here's what makes these two men so different. When that rich, young, religious ruler comes in contact with Jesus, he thinks that Jesus needs something from him in order to gain eternal life. He thinks that he has to give something to God or do something for God for salvation. What's worse, he probably believes he's already done enough. And just look at how successful and good he is. Of course Jesus wants to meet me. Of course I'll inherit eternal life. Look at all I have to offer, and I'm only 23. I don't know how old he was. <laughs> but listen, I don't want to betray this guy as some like overconfident, arrogant person. He probably was like a genuinely nice and good guy by our standards. That's not his problem. Many of us in this room would love this guy and look up to this guy and hope our kids turn out as good as he did. And I think his downfall was elsewhere. I think this man represents so many others who have missed the truth because they're distracted by something else and they've bought into a lie. But Zacchaeus, he's not there trying to show or prove anything to Jesus. He doesn't care what people think about him climbing the tree. He just wants to see Jesus. And when he meets him, Zacchaeus doesn't ask what he has to do to inherit life. He just receives Jesus with joy. And when Zacchaeus receives him, he doesn't ask what he must do or give. He just starts giving stuff away, not because Jesus told him he has to, but because after meeting Jesus, none of it seems to matter. 
All the wealth he acquired means nothing because now he has Jesus. He's transformed in an instant. And so he doesn't walk away because he wants to keep all of his wealth. He gives it away freely because he found the only thing that holds any real value. So now how others see him doesn't matter because Jesus sees him. And his wealth doesn't matter because he has Jesus One man meets Jesus and believes he has something to offer him. Another man meets Jesus and believes he just gained everything. So this morning, who are you? Are you here this morning thinking you're doing everything right? You're at church and you were here last week too. You're part of a home meeting. You tithe. You read your Bible. And overall, you're a pretty good person. And when you pray, you often ask ask God, God, what else do you want me to do? And man, that can all be great stuff, but if you think that that's what's going to bring you into eternity and relationship with God, things go wrong. Or maybe you're here this morning thinking that, man, my life is a freaking mess. And maybe you're listening from home thinking that God couldn't possibly let you into the kingdom. Maybe others like that crowd have looked down on you and been a barrier between you and God. And you think, man, I can't be a part of a church. And I can't join a home meeting because if only they knew what I'd done, what I was doing. And so if that's you this morning, listen, God sees you and he's inviting you to come right now. Forget about the crowd He wants into your life. He doesn't care what you did or are doing. He's seen it all before, and frankly, he's seen worse. He loves you and desperately wants you to be a part of his kingdom. That life cleanup stuff can come later right now. He just wants you. He wants to stay with you. And in fact, our story takes place on Jesus' way to Jerusalem where he's about to die as the cover charge for the seat at his table. And listen, if you're the rich young ruler, he loves you too. That's why I pointed out that passage in Mark. So that when you come to him thinking that you've earned your spot at the table or that you even can, he has compassion and he loves you enough to point out the flaw in your thinking. So listen, there's nothing you can do to inherit eternal life. You can't buy your way in. You're not a good enough person. But don't let that stop you from coming to Jesus. He paid for your seat too. So instead of being so distracted by all the activity and making your life look a certain way in hopes that you'll be good enough to make it into the kingdom, stop and just look at Jesus. He's already paid to get you in and he's holding the door open for you. You know, in the story of the rich young ruler, an important question is is raised, this question, what is the one thing that he lacked? And the story isn't telling you that in order to enter the kingdom, you have to sell everything you have. And Zacchaeus, his story isn't teaching you that either. But there's another story of another man tucked just between these two. And this man's probably less famous than the two we've talked about so far. He doesn't have a song. He doesn't show up in all the other gospels. But Luke, and I think on purpose, puts this man between the others. And I think his story makes so clear what the young ruler lacked and what Zacchaeus found. Luke chapter 18, verse 35 through 43. As Jesus drew near to Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging, and hearing a crowd going by, he inquired what this meant. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by, and he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. 
And those who were in front rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he came near, Jesus asked him, What do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Recover your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. So again, tucked between these two wealthy men of prominence is a blind beggar who despite his impairment immediately saw what those other men had missed. Jesus is the prophesied son of David. Jesus is Lord. Jesus comes to heal the sick and save the lost. Jesus comes asking what he can do for you because there's nothing you can do for him that he hasn't done or can't do already. Do you believe that Jesus is who he says he is? This morning, do you trust that Jesus doesn't need or require anything of you, but that you need everything from him? And do you have faith that Jesus is worth more than all the world can offer? Riches, wealth, status, comfort, and all. The rich young ruler believed that he followed the law, but he broke the very first commandment that you should have no other God before him. He came to Jesus, and Jesus told him he lacked only one thing. So what was the one thing he lacked? The thing that he lacked was dependence and faith in the Savior. He couldn't see Jesus. He was so blinded by his love for his wealth that he missed eternal life standing literally right in front of him. He came face to face with the thing he was searching for, and he chose his wealth instead, and he couldn't even see it. And Zacchaeus lived a lifetime with his first love being himself. He was willing to betray and steal and exploit to make for himself this comfortable life But when he got to the top, he was there alone, hated and dissatisfied. And then he hears of this man, Jesus, who was doing miracles and talking of the eternal kingdom. And Zacchaeus thought, I wonder if he could do a miracle for me. And when he meets Jesus, he realizes that everything he had done and amassed, his his life was worth nothing in comparison to the God-man that stood before him. And in an instant, it transformed him into a man of repentance and generosity. When he met Jesus, he knew that Jesus was worth more than anything the world could offer. So this morning, as you look at your own life, what have you been living for? Have you been striving to be the best person you can be because you think that that will get you into the kingdom? Are you busy trying to make everything look good? Are you distracted by your own wealth or possessions, comfort or security? Listen, if that's you, be careful that you don't miss Jesus. Or have you lived your entire life just seeking self-gratification, disregarding the wake of destruction it leaves in your path? Are you here this morning thinking that God could never want someone like you in his kingdom? Listen, Jesus sees you and wants you to let him in. Or are you here this morning recognizing that you've been blind for so long, but Jesus gives you sight and heals you so that now he's the only thing that matters. You have nothing to offer but everything to gain. Which of these men relate most to you this morning? What have you been living for? What do you have that you think you can offer? 
what are you unwilling to hand over? And when you compare all of that to Jesus, what's worth more? The blind man saw right away what the young ruler missed and Zacchaeus finally discovered. If there's something keeping you from Jesus this morning, what is it? And is it really worth more than him? You know, something that I took away that I wrote down um, just a few minutes before is that it only takes one thing to keep us from following Jesus. But there's not enough sin in the world to keep Jesus from inviting us to come to him. We just have to decide what's worth more. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word that you're this master author that works through people like us to put these true stories together in such a way that we get to see the truth. Lord, I pray for all of us in this room um, that we'd recognize that we're blind without you and that there's nothing that we can do to fix that, Uh, but that when we recognize who you are and we cry out to you, We don't ask the question, what must we do? But you come to us and ask what you can do for us. Lord, and that you rescue us and you heal us, that you came to seek us, the lost. Lord, I pray for all of us in this room or listening from home that we would recognize ourselves in these stories, Lord. And that when we're not satisfied with who we are, we remember that you are satisfied and delight in us and that you make right all the things that we can't, and that you don't expect us to be perfect. That's why you came in the first place, to give your perfection to us. Lord, I pray that all of us would humble ourselves this morning and recognize the things that we choose to put in between us and you, because there's nothing that can keep you from us. Thank you that that's true. In your name we pray, amen.